Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 18 and 19 of The Great Hunt, To the White Tower, and Beneath the Dagger. Enjoy! All right, welcome to season two, episode nine. Um, it's actually episode 33 since we started this. So we are well past the halfway of a year point. We've been, yeah, we've been doing this over six months, guys. It's, it's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so a couple things I want to get started with. First, announce our newest patron. Uh, we have one new one this, this week, and that is Bird Free. Um, thank you so much for everything you do and all of our patrons who um, support us um, appreciate it to, to I, I can't, I can't explain how much we appreciate the help you guys give that helps towards towards all the giveaways that we do. And also eventually equipment, um, you know, um, uh, we're still saving up for that uh, kind of the giveaways cut into that budget a lot because we're constantly giving away stuff. So maybe just stop giving away things and just start buying equipment for us. But uh People like to give voice too, right? Uh, so, yeah. Um, and some of that is going to is going to patrons as well. Uh, one of our patrons is actually has one of our brand new uh, the Wheel Reads uh, frosty mugs on the way to them. Um, so, yeah, because <laughs> we do have a merch store, so we have merchandise now. So that's going to be in the episode description. Um, so when you guys listen to this episode, wherever you listen to, when you go down the description at the bottom. There is a link there. You can click on it. You can go to the merchandise site. Right now, this is our basic launch. Um, basically, it's just kind of just all the logo stuff on everything. Shot glasses, frosty mugs, water bottles, T-shirts, all the above. Um, eventually, we are going to be adding more um, uh, adding more merchandise. So more T-shirt designs, maybe even more uh, designs for different things like hats and and frosty mugs and all sorts of things. So keep checking it out. Um, there will be stuff over time that is added. So uh, we're excited about that. Um, and yeah, go buy some stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, we like it a lot. But of course, I, I have to like it because it's mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of frosty mugs, the first frosty mug in the Wheel of Time community that everybody likes is the Dusty Wheel. And by the time you guys hear this, unless you're listening live right now, which a lot of people are, but um, and you have to be a patron to do that. But um, if you are not listening live, you're listening next Tuesday, last Wednesday, we would have been on the Dusty Wheel. That's tomorrow for us when we're recording. Uh, that's last Wednesday for you guys listening to it next week. So um, um, hopefully you guys checked it out. If not, it's going to be on YouTube. So you guys can go back and watch it even if it wasn't live. Um, you'll see all of our beautiful faces. I have a face made for radio. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> not true. <laughs> um, as far as giveaways go, um, we did our giveaway for the book of the great hunt already. So that's, that's done shipped out was delivered today. So yeah, all of our books have been finally delivered. Um, we have no more stuff on the way. Um, we will do more giveaways as time goes on. Um, probably going to do another giveaway next month. It might not be a book. Now that we have merchandise, it might be a frosty mug. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'll figure it out. I'll probably do a spreadsheet about it. Um, 
<laughs> um, yeah. So, oh yeah. And then there's the audiobook. Yeah. So thank you. There's the audiobook giveaway um, that's still pending. So that's for next week. Um, I mentioned that last time on our podcast. By the time you guys hear this next Tuesday, that will be the last day. So I think that's when it's over, if I'm correct. So by the time you guys hear this one, hopefully we're announcing a winner on Twitter. Um, but anybody that's listening live right now, yeah. Uh, if you didn't check out last week's episode, go listen to last week's episode because we are doing a giveaway for an uh, audiobook with the help of Watt Credits. So that's Watt underscore credits. Um, so we're, we're, we're really happy to uh, – uh, really, really happy to do another giveaway. So yeah, so that's all. That's good. So personal life. Um, you guys have probably a whole lot more to talk about than I do. Um, one thing I talked to everybody before we started was that I'm actually recording um, in my parents' house. So the reason being is because in my house, I normally record in the guest room. and um, and But right now, my sister-in-law is currently staying at her house for a week. So... I don't have a place to record and my parents happened to be out of town this week. So I just was like, well, screw it. Let's go over there. Um, hang out there, set up my setup over here and continue on. So that's why I'm over here. Um, gives me a quiet place to record where I don't have to wake anybody up or kick anybody out of rooms. Yeah. Trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> nice to everybody. <laughs> that's, all, that's all what's going on. Um, uh, really in my life right now. Uh, like I said, my sister lost in town. She's cool. I, I like her a lot. I just don't also want to kick her out of her own. But because I like her, I don't want to kick her out of you know, the room she stayed in so I could record this. So well, um, That's nice. Yeah, you know, be friendly. Um, so what about you guys? So I am uh, a couple days into uh, our beach week with my dad's side of the family. Uh, so... Uh, there, you know, there's my kids, which I have a bazillion, uh, and then on the stepbrother side, he's got a bazillion, and then there's a cousin that's essentially like a sibling that also has a bazillion kids. So ton, tons of kids running around. Uh, took all the older ones out deep sea fishing today. So I was up at 3:30 a.m. It's like 8:45 p.m. now. So I am ridiculously tired. Um, we caught a ton of tilefish, which are delicious. Uh, got a few citations there. Uh, got four mar- marlin sailfish, some sea bass, a couple of cod, and this this really tiny. We dropped it like 500 feet at one time, and everybody else is reeling up these monster tiles. And one of the guys brought up this. It looked like a goldfish. I mean, it was smaller than my hand uh, and I forget what they called it. It had Rose in the name or something. I'll have to look it up, but it was pretty funny. So that was the joke of the day. It was, it was the best catch, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Had a good time, but I, I am exhausted. If you hear snoring, just drag me into the dream world and Chris will wrap us up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. That's you, Chris. Um, we'll see. I'm in deep. Two or just finished day two of my new gig as a middle school math teacher. Um, it's kind of, I hate to say, pointless right now, but like yesterday we had a two hour long presentation and then we were sent to set up our physical classrooms. And then today, more Zoom meetings and then more time in our classrooms, even though we're going to be virtual until probably February. So, you know, I, I hate doing things that make zero sense to me 
um, which I know there's not many people that do enjoy that, but I get quite perturbed quite easily when it comes to pointless activity when there's other more important things that could be doing. Agreed. Um, <laughs> but it's like, all right, well, you guys need to fill my time because you're paying me, so I'll just meander and I'll help everybody else do their room and I'll help the custodians. So definitely already become a friend in the building, which is awesome. Because if you don't know, the best people to know in your building are the custodians. They are always Absolutely. knowledgeable. <laughs> and it's yeah. going to be the funnest group. So I, I definitely enjoyed doing that and went and saw my old co-workers. They're being swapped with work because now they don't have the buffer that was me. So not to cheap on horn, but they definitely have felt the pain. They even went as far as buying headsets for everybody and getting standing desk for everybody and because they've also had to increase their work time. <laughs> yep. so, anyway, personally, cool, cool, cool. enjoying just great conversation with Chanel and planning some time to hang out together, which is really nice. Cool. Yay. Good times. That's always fun. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Chris. So um, now let's go ahead and move right into the episode. So predictions from last week slash previous podcast. So previously on the Wheel of Reads. Celine is evil. That's prediction number one. Celine controls the Grom. Celine was trapped in the portal world. A lot of Celine predictions from last I think time. We just um, like Celine, or we just were really interested in her. I think she has just yeah. captivated as the guys. We were now, obsessing. Now going back to a long time ago, Chris, you made a prediction. I think it was maybe in the beginning of this book. It might have been episode one of season two, or it might have actually been from season one. But you predicted by episode thirty-three, which tonight is episode thirty-three, but. Chris said, Tom will come back by the time we record episode 33. Mm. And yeah. he's right. He's Tom is in our hearts. He's just, <laughs> and always. So that was a prediction made a while ago. So uh, Chris, do you want to revise your prediction on that? Or? <laughs> he is coming back eventually. <laughs> Alan's just going off of the wrong number system. He's using a base 10 model, which clearly Chris and I weren't. So Chris is still right. (laughs) Okay, sure, sure. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and get started right into chapter 18. So chapter 18, to the White Tower, and the icon is the flame of Tarvalon. Um, so thoughts about the, I mean, we talked about a little at the end of this episode, but now that you've read the chapter, um, any thoughts about, uh, pretty self-explanatory. They're going to the white tower. Yeah. But you still have to give us points because we guessed this one, right? We, we looked at it and Chris and I both said, I believe we're going to get a chapter about our lady friends going to the white tower. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that's exactly what we got. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep exactly also uh, Chris rather than saying eventually Tom will come back uh, the chat wants you to put a chapter on it what chapter is Tom coming back or what mm-hmm. book what chapter what book 
let's let's make this prediction more more more, uh, more specific. Specific. Okay, we're going to say he will be back no later than book three, chapter nine. Okay. So you hear like that? It. Book three, chapter nine. No later than book three, chapter. No later nine. than. But it could be before. Could but be. definitely by then. Yes, okay. I need to be as vague as I'm allowed to be. <laughs> but, it, but it really doesn't matter when he shows up because a, a wizard is never early and he's never late. He shows up precisely when he means. Yeah. Yeah. Does his ghost count? You know, because he's dead. So when his ghost shows up, well, does that count? Alan, <laughs> Chris and I are going to finish this podcast without you. Well, yeah. you, you, you just blasphemed. <laughs> I don't uh, like you guys wouldn't survive. <laughs> anyways, so let's go ahead and hop right into this chapter. So the chapter starts, Egwene's on deck, the wind's blowing, uh, the river's running really fast, and she's wondering like how crazy, you know, how fast the river's running, how fast the boat's going. And, uh, you know, she gets the idea that it's probably Aes Sedai work, like that's causing the boat to go fast. I don't know if you guys thought that as well, but... Um, but yeah, the boat's going really fast. Um, and, and after that, she goes below. Nynaeve's getting kind of seasick. Um, and you get a description of the boat down below. So let's start with all that, start descriptions, because I know, uh, you know, Chris loves his descriptions. And, and mm-hmm. the whole entire opening scene of this chapter. I think it was just, again, how vivid he is when he's writing. The river had begun to race and flood as it still did, slapping the ship about while it drove them onward. The wind in the river had not slowed, and neither had the ship all clustered together. It just definitely speaks of magic in my mind, because we know that things never quite work in concert when we need it to. (laughs) And I'm not the, the sea venturer here, but I'm sure you guys could probably speak to a number of times where you know, the wind was working against the sail and you were literally standing still. The idea of everything working in perfect unison just bodes the magic for me. Yeah, there's actually a spot where I sailed through. Um, So when I was in Northern Australia, um, there's a chain of islands that goes off the top of Australia called the Wessel Islands and a bunch of cliff islands. So they're really tall. They're giant cliffs, and they extend a couple of miles out to sea um, up towards, uh, I guess, the South, South China Sea or the Indochina Sea. And um, there's a hole in, in, the, in, in, the, in the islands, um, like, kind of like a, a gap. And it's like giant cliffs on either side. It's this tiny little gap. It's probably about maybe 100 meters wide. So it's, it's pretty narrow. And the tides there are ridiculous. So the only way to get through it, either so you have to do one of two things: either sail for miles and miles and miles around the Wessel Islands, or you go through what's called the hole in the wall. That's what they call it, the hole in the wall. And you tie the tie the tides right, and then it sucks you in. And you want to talk about going fast through something? I have, I mean, I've been on race boats that go pretty fast. This was not a race boat that I was on, and we were. It was like going through rapids. Like we were flying through this little, and there's giant cliffs on either side of you. Um, and if you turn the wrong way, like once, you're gonna crash. And just kind of hold on, hold on tight, and 
and fly through. So I, th- this scene reminded me of that. Like they're just on this, this like flying down this river faster than they, they should be going. Like the river's just pushing them. Well, that, uh, that sounds like Tar Valon witch magic to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good deal. So, yeah. So the next thing they do, Egwene and Nynaeve starts talking about Rand and they start talking about dreams and how Egwene's been trying to find Rand in her dreams and how Naya thinks she's a dream. I think they call her a dreamwalker or something like that. Um, and that they're going to test her when they get to the White Tower. Um, and then Egwene starts talking about how she keeps seeing this guy with a mask in her dreams, which I think we all know who that is. Um, but he keeps showing up. We've seen him in other people's dreams. Skeletor. Skeletor, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're, we're calling. We're calling we're, yeah. Calling balls. I'm on Skeletor now. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. So any thoughts about the dreams or anything like that before before the Amelink comes? Well, I'd like to just take a step back and say I think it's funny how seasickness is a real thing. <laughs> I've never been on the sea that much, but I've never been bothered by the rocking of the boats. I've never been bothered by the the movements or anything. So the fact that our our wisdom seems to suffer from seasickness just makes me giggle just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's so, such so- an in-charge person, and then she steps on the boat, and it's like, oh, I can't take this. Yeah, she, she's out of her element. Mm-hmm. It's more susceptible to it, but sometimes if you're a little bit sick or you have a head cold, it makes you more prone to it. We we had two of our kids, uh, uh, one of mine and and uh, one of my nephews that probably spent the first two hours yarking, um, but mm-hmm. they did a good puke and rally, and they came out and did some bottom fishing with us and caught a couple citations. So you know, I was proud of them. Okay, nice. It happens. Yeah, seasickness does happen even to veteran sailors. I've I've raced with sailors that are get deathly like deathly seasick, um, you know, uh, and they still love racing, um, and they just kind of muscle through it most of the time. The only problem is when we do distance racing and they can't hold it in for that long. Um, and I've been on races where they are just yeah, yeah, puking up got their guts the entire time. Um, it's pretty bad. So yeah, well, I love it. <laughs> I know yep. you think that uh, Rand is in some type of danger and it's only getting mm-hmm. worse. He's done something or he's going to do something that puts him in danger, she said. <clears throat> I said, I wish I could make it make, or I wish I could make sense of it. So mm-hmm. I think that she's just alluding to the very simple fact that he's brought a certain somebody back to the real world with him when he probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yep. So yeah. Well, so after this scene, we get a knock on the door, and before they can even check uh, who it is, uh, Swan, the Amelin seat, comes in herself alone, which they've never dealt with her alone yet. She's always been with other Aes Sedai, or especially with the keeper, uh, Liana. Um, so you know they're kind of surprised by this, and and Nynaeve, you know, stands up, and Swan immediately tells Nynaeve to sit. And Nynaeve ignores her at first, but eventually, you know, kind of gives in. Like, it's kind of this weird, you know, 
moment where Nynaeve's really pushing her boundaries and trying to like assert, assert herself in the situation. And Swan's not having any of it. Um, I think if, I think if um, Nynaeve wasn't as sick as she was, she totally would have left. Mm-hmm. It, so it, it wasn't just her kind of giving in to um, the Amerlin. I, I I think she was just about to Ralph again. She figured it'd be easier to stick around. Yeah. And then, you know, Swan starts to teach them. So um, tells Nynaeve to sit down that you can learn to Heard she's had a temper, but heard that she's really powerful as well. Um, and they kind of start talking about swords. And I said, well, you know, and she's like, what, a sword? Then she creates a sword out of air, like right there. Um, and uh, which is pretty cool if you can uh, picture that. And then, and then also it just turns into a parry knife, you know, and she starts, you know, she's able to change and morph it because it's all just made of air. So what do you what do you think of this whole entire? Because this is like we we've seen some of Moraine's battle battle channeling or or what do you call it magic or whatever, but you know just show how how in depth some of the stuff is. Um, what what I mean? What do you guys think about this? Well, before we even go that far, I love how that when the Amelin walks in, she has such a conversational tone. She's really trying to bring the room down and bring the nerves down. She's just trying to make things seem really easy. Like she asks basic questions. Are you eating well? Uh, Are you in good temper? Like she seems to genuinely care. And it's like, is this a play or is it that she is that type of person? I think we've kind of learned that she, she's definitely a trustworthy and caring person. Um, but at the same time, we we learn a whole lot more about her really quickly. And so when it comes to the scene regarding the sword, which she turns into a paring knife, we see that she's got this immense amount of power, but then she has this eerie level of control that she could make these girls do whatever she wanted, but she's choosing to allow them to have choice sure yeah so when i was first reading through uh in the margin i wrote showing off question mark um now obviously her reasons and my impressions as to why she was doing this changes in just a few pages but initially when i started reading this and she's just talking so casually to them and then to nynaeve flashes some pretty solid channeling or magic channeling I guess is what we should be saying showing off the sword and the parry knife and everything and so I started thinking to myself like why on earth is she doing this and and you know I, I wrote showing off like is she just trying to flaunt her power at this point uh but to do that like she would have to feel threatened by Egwene and Nynaeve and their potential power or, or for whatever reason, be trying to put them in their place. So at, at the first read through at this moment, I was kind of like, what are we getting at here? This is more than just a lesson. Uh, there's some demonstration happening here, but as we find out in a, a couple of pages here, it's intentional and trying to push some buttons. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So obviously she's trying to get uh, Nynaeve's temper to go up. Uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, Nynaeve starts to complain or not complain, but just kind of tell the Emerald off 
you know, saying, okay, I'm not learning anything useful here. You know, okay, you teach them to like, you know, like a little fire, you teach a way to do like a couple things here and there. You know, why don't I learn something actually useful for once? And everyone's like, fine, I'll show you something useful. And wraps not even air and a going too. wraps them both up in air so they can't even move. And then uh, begins to lift Nynaeve off the ground. And Nynaeve's like, at this point, screaming, telling her to be released, um, you know, uh, as she's being lifted off the ground. Um, and, Use, you know. Useful, wouldn't you say? And it's nothing yeah. but air. Hmm. Yeah. Big man with his muscles and his sword, and the sword does him as much good as the hair on his chest. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, picks Nynaeve up, and then she kind of explains also that, you know, they can use the power on other people, but they can't pick themselves up. Like, that's the limitation of the power, is that you can only be used on other things. You cannot be used on yourself. But she heard stories about during the Age of Legends that I said I could fly, but no one knows how to do that anymore. Um, so, there's some so, kind of trick. Yeah. When I, when I read this, I don't know if y'all have ever seen this. Um, it's like some... I think it comes from the Buddhist tradition or something. Um, but it's two pictures of the exact same thing. One represents hell and one represents, you know, heaven or enlightenment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a bunch of guys sitting around with a bowl full of noodles, but their chopsticks are like five feet long. Uh, and in, in hell, they're all trying to feed themselves and they can't and they keep dropping it. And so they're starving. And in heaven, they feed each other. So maybe right. this magic is part of how the Aes Sedai could fly, but instead of levitating yourself, you could levitate right. your sister. You can work together and vibe off of each other. Or or maybe it's a male-female Aes Sedai working together where they're yeah. able to do that. Interesting. It's kind yeah. of like the water relationship with the Aes Sedai. Yeah, there, there's got to be a balance there to make it work properly. Yeah. So after all this is happening, Nynaeve's getting super pissed off, and then all of a sudden, the Amberlin flies, flies back against the wall. Like, gets thrown back against the wall, gets pinned against the wall, and 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 Suwan is completely just aghast, like, stunned that Nynaeve just did this to her. Um, I, I was not expecting that at all. Yes, I think she says, "Well, you know, while wow, you do learn quickly, or something like oh, that." Yeah, we had to take a, a step back. Like she goaded her into the entire time. Like naive, just like released me. She didn't ask. She made a statement. It was definitive. It was like you are not going to belittle me, even though you're trying to teach a lesson, even though you're making a point. She's like, "No, release me," and she made a demand of the emerald seat. And mm-hmm. then she realized that Egwene was also being caught up in this, and she just, like, furthered. It's like, let me go. And then, you know, the Emily C was just like, yeah, isn't this useful? Wouldn't you say it's useful? Yeah. And it just continued to goad and goad and goad and goad until finally, like you said, that suddenly the Emily flew backwards so hard her head rebounded from the wall, and there she stayed as if something were pressing against her. And Egwene just was like, oh my goodness, this isn't happening, is it? <laughs> yeah. But that that very idea that she was strong enough to push the HBIC, <laughs> not just push her back, but almost pin her down, like that's that's really 
phenomenal. I think it's amazing. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think so it's a little, I think it's a little scary that so obviously Nynaeve channeled before while she was younger before she even knew what she was doing. So she had the ability to do it without ever being taught. But now she's able to mimic almost immediately what she sees. Uh right. So I, I wonder like is there a way to accelerate that? Does she have to see it demonstrated? Or when she gets to Tarvalon, does she have the ability to just read about it and from there do it? I mean, if that's the case, my goodness, this this woman's going to be, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty powerful. I mean, I know we get into this, but like I was already thinking about this, like Egwene sitting there trying to hold a little flame on her fingertips, and that's like a big to-do. And Nynaeve sees the Amberlynn do this, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, I also can do it, and I can also <laughs> get you to with an inch of your life, you know? That's, yeah. That's impressive. Right. And then and then Sawan, you know, turns and cuts Nynaeve off from the source. So it's called shielding. They even mentioned that. That's called shielding. Um, and saying that, you know, once you're stronger, once you've been trained, no sister will be able to – alone will be able to do this to you. Um, but – because you're untrained, you know what I'm doing. I can just cut you off from the source. And when the, the yeah. shielding, that's when we go back to Loghain, isn't that what the eyes that I that were surrounding him, what they were doing? Yes, they were shielding Loghain. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is different from stilling um, which, and gentling, which we've talked about gentling men. Right. Which is completely severing, cutting off so you can never touch again. So shielding is just like a temporary block, temporarily blocking it. Not 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 cutting the source, just blocking the source. Um, turn cool. turn this spigot off versus cutting the pipe completely. <laughs> um, yeah, or welding that shit shut. You know, something like that. So, um, so, so on. You know, at, at that point, actually, she shields naive, drops naive. You know, uh, lets her back down, but then continues the lesson. Uh, but she she left the Gwen shield the entire time. Gwen's like, uh, I'm still right here, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> can can so you that, help me out? That was a great point of like comic relief for me. Like she's just this afterthought, um, w- which makes you think. I mean, from the get go, the Amberlynn was there to test Nynaeve and see what Nynaeve can do. She wasn't thinking about a Gwen at all. This this was all about Nynaeve. Yeah, exactly. Thoughts, Chris. I was really reading just, again, I keep jumping back because there are some very minor sentences that make major points to me. Um, one of which was the sentence, the stronger you become, the more I Sedai will take it to shield you against your will. Do you think mm-hmm. now you want to learn? That, yeah. I, I think more than anything... That was a reflection. Just as much mm-hmm. as it was a warning for yeah. you know, for the situation that the Emmeline seat was dealing with. Like she, you know, was essentially looking at Nynaeve and saying, You're gonna end up much like me, where you're gonna have all this power and you're gonna have all this responsibility and all these people are gonna be pushing you into the direction they want you. And you're going to have to fall in place because that's going to be your duty. 
So she's really warning her ahead of time, like, if you're not serious about this, don't take the offer. Yeah. Man, I don't I think it's a little past taking the offer. I think it's if times weren't what they were or what they are at this point in the story, wouldn't Nynaeve like just be way too dangerous at this point for them to even try and train? I mean, I, I, I can imagine somebody that could learn that quickly and be that unchecked and didn't really, you know, they weren't raised through the proper channels here at a young enough age. Like, I don't know, maybe they would just decide to steal her right off the bat and be like, nope, this is too risky. But I, I feel like they've already decided, you know, Moraine and the Amberlin that there, there's a role for Nynaeve to play. I mean, why else would you, why else would you risk bringing somebody like this up yeah. and training them more? Yeah. So after the lesson, they continue on the lesson. It kind of cuts away. You don't see the rest of the lesson, but Swan leaves and Egwene's super excited. She's like, she's excited about everything she's just learned. And Nadine's just pissed. Like, <laughs> she's just not happy about anything that just happened. Not excited about any of this. And Egwene's like this giddy girl that's just like, oh my God, all this stuff we can learn. This is so cool. <laughs> so I, I just love that little interaction. And Egwene tries to console. You know, uh, Nynaeve, and and then you know, Nynaeve turns and tells Egwene not to say anything about all this. So, uh, before we move to the next scene, anything final from this whole interaction with Swan and and anything we yeah, big, big time negative points for Egwene's character in general because after the Amberlin leaves, like you said, she's a little bit excited about what she was able to do. Uh, but then you read a little bit further ahead with Nynaeve kind of threatening her. And we find out what the Amberlin forced her to do. And I just started thinking to myself, I was like, what kind of shit person do you have to be to not immediately be super sympathetic to that and even be the least bit excited for yourself and what, and what you're able to do. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I can have like the most amazing day, like all these great things going my way and then come home and find out that my dog got hit by a car. And there's some things that are just so messed up that it kind of wipes out all the other stuff. There's no more happiness left in that day for all those great things that happened because something really shitty just happened. So how could you watch a friend of yours go through all of this and be essentially tortured, right? Mm -hmm. All this stuff clearly against her will uh, and then have even the least bit of excitement for this little flame you're able to create on your own. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. there, there's probably some psychological term for it. I'm not smart enough to know it, but she gets 10 demerit points here. <laughs> 10 demerits. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know what your demerit system is, but I, I'm sure a military is just bad. But when uh, my only experience with demerits was, uh, was, was in sailing as a kid. They would assign demerits if you did stuff bad in sailing practice as kids. And one of the one of, one of the penalties for getting too many demerits was scrubbing the the the, the boat dock with a toothbrush. Um, so, <laughs> it was fun. Um, yeah, I, my my points are assigned at random and they are meaningless. Exactly, you get a thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Anything for you, Chris? Before we move on. No, not this time. I'll let us keep going. 
Okay, cool. So they keep going. The ship moves a little differently, and they go up to see what's going on. And lo and behold, they go on deck, and they see the great city of Tarvala. And, and they, you get a little description. Uh, they're entering the North Harbor, um, and it is um, really, really jaw-dropping. Just, yeah, amazing. Um, they talk about the shining white walls and just – it gets a little description of the buildings and stuff like that later, but you get the initial, like, how vast and crazy awesome the city is. But also, I, I know obviously we have a map, and I could have figured this out, but um, it, in my mind so far, talking about Tarvalon, I didn't realize it pretty much butted up against Dragon Mount and that it's right there in the background. Mm-hmm. So, so you're able to get all of this, not just Tarvalon and the towers and the White Towers, but you've got the mountains behind it. Um which is right. the, the seat of, you know, the entire story yeah. that these books are, are wrapped around. So that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Thoughts, Chris, on the description of Tarvalon? And... Not particularly. I was really just focused on the interactions. Can everybody hear okay. me? Yeah. Really focused mm-hmm. on the interactions that the ladies were having and just the, the pure reflection and the moments where you couldn't tell if the Emerald Seat was talking to herself or talking to others. We know that she is or has money now, so it's like does she still eat the simplistic cheap things and all the stuff that has no content to the book, but they all enter my mind at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so they sail slash row into the harbor and so the sweeps come out, they get there and um not Eve said, Let's go um Let's let's get go down below and get all their stuff. So they they go down below, they get all the stuff, and uh, when they come back up, everybody's pretty much just left them. <laughs> so it's um, you know, so they, they decided to leave the ship, and that's when you get all the descriptions of the crazy buildings. So yeah, so some of the buildings look like waves crashing over so the, the over island. The was so big, and more as if the river split in two, they contained a bit of land. Bridges that seemed to be made of lance arched from either bank to the island, crossing marshy grounds uh, as well as the river. The walls of the city, the shining walls of Tarvalon, glistened white as the sun broke through the clouds. That painted a really awesome, vivid picture for me. Like you could see Egwene running to the rails and just being excited. I'm actually looking forward to this scene in the TV show because we finally made it. Like we've been waiting an entire book and a and a quarter to make it to Tarvalon. And then only half of us have made it. We are finally here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really do think that it's it's phenomenal that he took the time to kind of go into it. Then the West Bank, it's broken top leaking with thin whiffs of smoke, dragon excuse me, dragon mount reared black against the sky, one mountain standing amongst flat lands and rolling hills, Dragon Mount, where the dragon had died. Dragon Mount, made by the the dragons dying. Yep. So, 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 um, in chat, they said they sent you a picture of the map of Tarvalon. Did you all get that earlier today? Or some point? Yes. Okay. Have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a vagina. 
Okay. So <laughs> I didn't know if I, I was going to just let us beat around the bush. Wink. <laughs> no. So there, you know, there are so many jokes about that, about the cover. Uh, yeah. I know. There, there's the, you're right there with everybody else. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's uh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 the big joke is that it's Vagina Island. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, and, then, oh, and, and then you have a giant dragon mountain next to it, um, which is hey, even better. Yeah, and yeah, it's been said that when the sun sets, the shadow of Dragon Mount almost touches Tarvalon. So it's there's a lot of innuendo. Got <laughs> <laughs> oh, it. Yep, yep, yep. So there's a lot, a lot of innuendo there. But uh, whether Robert Jordan did that on purpose, uh, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so yeah, so really, really beautiful city. <laughs> uh, crazy buildings. Um, like I said, some of the best oak gear work that was ever done. Um, yeah, you know, some buildings look like seashells. Some look like giant waves crashing over. It looked like they shouldn't, like math or mathematically, architecturally, shouldn't be allowed to happen physically in physics. But it it works because this is made the way it was made. So um, this is grandiose city. Um, so they leave and, and they start to head towards the White Tower, and then this woman shows up um, and starts talking to them and uh and she's, they're like yeah i'm, I'm guessing your eyes to die but uh yeah everybody left us so yeah we're just here i guess no one cares about us anymore and she goes oh no they care about you that's why i came uh my name's shariam i'm the mistress of the novices um so we, we meet shariam um, <laughs> well you, you can't you can't cut it off there because it takes away from the uh the emphasis and the meaning she introduced introduces herself as the mistress of novices and immediately Nynaeve chimes in I'm not to be a novice right. the Emlyn herself said I was to be one of the accepted <laughs> right so you know it's uh that's our good old Nynaeve for us you know right yeah exactly and yeah and, and, and Sharon kind of bounces back says well that's fine then except it's still report to me and actually they're even treated harsh, more harsh than novices. So, good for you. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> um, yeah, that way you just went through. You're going to do a little bit more of that just to make sure we didn't make a mistake by allowing you to be an accepted. Yep. Like the first, like basically, I think of like the first week of being accepted is like hell week. Um, yeah, whether it's, yeah. it's boot camp or pledge of fraternity or whatever thing you want to do there's always that like in navy seal training they have hill week um where it's like to make sure it is it's yeah. made to break you it's made to break you so novice training is meant to kind of guide you along get you to accepted once you hit accepted they then the actual hard training begins so Nadeem's kind of like i'm not a novice i'm accepted like oh good for you yeah shit's about to get real uh. <laughs> I just thought of Doris it's Umbridge. about to go down. Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter just popped into my mind. I was oh, like, Dol- <laughs> Dolores <laughs> Umbridge. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that that was you know she was slightly plump, short, always perky, happy-ish, pretending mm-hmm. if nothing else. And then she was in charge of it all by the end, and then she was nothing. Which I was excited. Yeah. For. But anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts about Sherry? I mean, obviously you think she's uh, Dolores Umbridge. Uh, do, do, do you like her? Do you not like her? What, what's your initial I thoughts? I actually like her. Like she's so very matter of factly. She's like, I have never heard of it being done before, but they say you are exceptional. Remember though, even one of those accepted can be called to my study. That was the part that was like Dolores Umbridge, like, you can be the best student in the world, but I'm still going to give you a pen that's going to scribe into the back of your hand. You're going to do exactly what I want you to do, because at the end of the day, I run the show. Um, Also, another fun fact I get is that there's only 40 novices right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And of of those 40, only a few will actually ever make it to accept it. So it's no more than eight or nine of those will be raised to accepted. So I do not think you will have to worry about that too much. If you work hard and apply yourself, the work is hard. And even for one with your potential, they, um, they tell me you have, it will not make it any easier. So then she's almost more like, uh, her name's McGonagall. So I was kind of torn between the two because the physical description was much like Dolores Umbridge, but the attitude was more like Professor McGonagall. So she grew on me as I read the the paragraphs through. Okay, cool. I I, I get the vibe, though, that she's not one you want to cross. No, no, Like she's coming nice and simply explaining stuff to them, but... And I can't point to what. There's no one line, but as I'm reading it, I just I'm telling myself, don't get on her bad side. Yeah. Oh well, she okay. says that we will prepare you for it. Speaking about the eyes that I like, if you have in you what is required, like she's not, she doesn't care who you think you are, how special you come off to being. If you're not willing to take advice and learn, then eh, we don't want to deal with you. Yeah, yeah and, she, and she's got a standard in mind that either you meet that standard or or surpass it, or you don't. You're gonna you're gonna go by the wayside. And and, and Sherem has been mentioned in previous previous chapters. Uh, this is the first time we meet her, but there was I think it was Moraine was talking at some point and mentioned Sherem. And I think actually in one of our episodes, Chris, you actually pointed out says now I need to figure out who this person is. Um, this was <laughs> several several. I think it was an Eye of the World. So this was a while ago. But um, she, she she was mentioned. Um, oh, that was so long ago. That's so long ago. That you'll, you'll, that you'll, you'll, made. you'll have to go back and listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never actually listened to an episode of us speaking, so maybe I'll actually do that one day. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't listen either because I edit it, so I listen to it while I'm editing, and I don't go back and listen to it again because I've already I've I've said it and I listen, I edit it, and then yeah. Yeah, I don't. But I will have to say, it was stated early on, like episode one, that we were going to be given more and more reason to go back and reread. And every time we speak, you're like, "Oh, you mentioned this," or "Oh, this was mentioned," or "Oh, that was mentioned." I'm like, so so chat chat comes through comes through and tells me where because I didn't remember where, but chat chat knew right away. So in Camelin, when 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 they were leaving Camelin. Um, to get to head to the ways to head up towards uh, Faldara. Uh, uh, Moraine told Basil, Basil Gill that if anything happens, contact Sherry and let her know. 
Um, oh, a road dog. Oh, wait. Now that's important, though. Because if something happens and Moraine mentions her, then she must be in on this with her in the eyes to die. I was about to say. Or not the eyes but the Amberlin. Took it right out of my mouth. That's a significant little wink. But the actual quote is, if you have any trouble, contact Sherim Sadai up from the Blue Aja. Mm. Uh, oh, and she's a blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's in on it. She knows the deal. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, that's a little quote from either world. Um, since you guys read it, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> um, it's just a little little callback to a previous priest book. Uh, Very good refresher. Yeah, good refresher. So at that point, they all head off to the White Tower, and they just march along. Um, yeah, and that's the end of the chapter. So final thoughts on this chapter. Anything we missed? Anything you guys want to talk about? I really am interested to see. I think I'm more interested to see how strong Nynaeve can be in channeling. I, I think I'm more interested in her than I am with Ran at this point. Hmm. Okay. Like, I I think she's going to be pretty badass. Maybe she's the one who brings Tom back. Yeah. <laughs> I like the. I told you I spoke to the Emerlin. Rest your worries for your friend. Novice training is hard, but not that hard. That is for the first few weeks of being one of the accepted. So, like, she's... The Emerlin seat was already putting them to, like, a bigger test just to see how far she could push. I'm, I'm interested to see what the beginning beginner level actually looks like. And we know that with Egwene, she's going to start from the beginning. So we'll be... Or, excuse me, with Nynaeve, she'll be starting from the beginning. So we really get to get a full feeling of what it looks like to be, you know, less than accepted. So moving on to chapter 19, Beneath the Dagger. And the icon is the horn. So thoughts about this now? Uh, All right. So prior to reading, we did the simple... um, you know, everything is going to come together. The horn's going to reach them. And so is Ingtar and the wolves and everything's going to collide at once. So I guess that was more kind of my, I just saw it all coming together. Uh, having read this chapter, I did not see any of that shit coming. That this, this chapter is just, it's bonkers crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Okay. Yeah. Can, can there be a good way? I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh, no, this, this, this is that good kind of crazy. Yeah. Good kind of, yeah, yeah. This this is not like key your car, like burn your house down crazy. This is like that that no. No, I'm not gonna get into the kind of craziness. But um <laughs> Yeah, let's let's go that back good, to that map that of good, Tarvalon. That yeah, good good this, crazy. That, that good good <laughs> crazy. <laughs> uh yeah. Anyway, so let's go and get started on it. So uh it starts in there in the mountains, um of Kinslayer's dagger. Is the name of the mountains they're in. Um, and they're kind of just camping out. Rand's decided that he's going to wait one more day. And then they're going to abandon their waiting and take Selene back to Kyrian um, and be done with all of it. And then Rand starts thinking about it and says, you know, I've tried to say this a bunch of times. Every time I say I'm going to leave, she convinces me to stay. Um, and, you know, Rand 
kind of wants to move on, but Celine's saying, you know, just wait, just wait. I, I, they're coming this way. They're coming this way. And Rand's beginning kind of to lose, I guess, not that lose, lose faith that, that, yeah, um, that they're actually going to ever come. Um, so what are your thoughts about all that? We could have named this chapter choices also. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and Rand's vain attempt in trying to make them because he got, he got played like a fiddle here again. Always. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Rand's supposed to be the ladies man, but it's more or less because he doesn't know how to do anything but say yes, ma'am, and keep. Yeah, he's the lady man, but it's lowercase m, like almost like manservant. Like, what can I do for you today, ma'am? But, yeah. but, she's, but she's really hot. Oh well, yeah. well that, that's <laughs> that's all that matters, right? Uh, yeah. Ian, Ian said sarcastically. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough to have learned that lesson. Yeah. Anyway, so Rand starts thinking about Egwene after all this, and then starts thinking about simpler times when he was just on the road playing for a supper with Tom's flute, you know, and, and starts thinking about Tom as well, and thinking about those were such simpler times. See, I had a moment, of, I had a glimmer of hope here. I'll have to say it. With Tom's name coming up, I was like, oh, this is the this is the part. This is the part where he comes back and everything that I've been wanting happens. Yeah. <laughs> you were very close. No, no, he doesn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So um Rand's kind of halfway asleep. It's not his watch. Heron's on watch. And he rolls over and looks over and sees Celine going through his stuff. And like immediately calls her out and like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's my shit. Like, don't touch it. Um, obviously, he's thinking about the banner in there. He's thinking about like, doesn't want her to see that. Obviously, um, and she has a good excuse. Um, she says that you know she wants to change her clothes because she has a spot on her dress or something. I don't know. Uh, it's <laughs> likely story. Um, and Rand's like, well, it looks just fine to me, but I guess if there's anything, um, anything wrong with it, you would know. Sure. Whatever. Rand buys it. Best, best use of misdirection ever. Like clearly snooping, mm-hmm. doing some shit you're not supposed to, but you happen to be this smoking hot woman. A uh, guy finds you, calls you out, and you go, oh, sorry, but I was thinking about getting naked. And <laughs> so now guy goes, well, that's clearly the best answer you could have given here. <laughs> it, it was tough. He realized right away, like, she mentioned that she said, it came to me that I've been wearing this dress too long. I could brush it at least if I had something else to wear while I did one of your shirts perhaps and he's like eh he knew that if a spot had appeared on a Gwen's dress nothing would do but that she cleaned it immediately so he just of course yeah sure so you guys are right like there, there was no spot that he could see but the idea of her wearing his shirt really does something for him oh yeah so Rand yeah lets her buy her shirt uh, and as she's uh, getting undressed, uh, Rand says, you know, we're going to leave tomorrow. We're done. And Selene again says, no, no, they're coming. You're staying. <laughs> hmm. um, 
And then she starts talking about glory again. She starts going on like, don't you want the glory? Don't you want to get the horn and have all the glory from the horn? Um, and go into this whole entire scene. Of course, you know, Rand blushes because he sees her in his shirt and sees her, her legs and gets all, all hot and heavy for it. Um, but before anything else comes in, happens, Huron rushes in saying, hey, I saw fire. Uh, kind of kind of the, the giant, uh, uh, what is it? The pipe, hmm. burst, burst of the bubble there. <laughs> yeah. Ch- Charlie Bravo, mm-hmm. little, little CB action. Yeah, a little CB action going on. Um, yeah, so they see a fire. But before we get there, anything else you want to talk about this whole scene with Celine? Well, yeah, I, I, the the illusion or the the reference when they continue to go back to the Edmonds Field, and he's like, yeah, he's used to girls like tying up their dresses so that they can go and play in the water, but they stop that before they're old enough to braid their hair. So they, he, he he continues to do this comparison to what happens back at home to what he's currently going through. And he's like, mind is being blown over and over again because everything is so unfamiliar to him. And it kind of reminds us that they're still not that far away from being back at home. I guess what we're probably three months removed from home now, maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe three months, half a year, maybe at most. It's it's not been that much time. Yeah, I can go back and look it up. I don't have it in front of me right now, but there's no, a top chart as far as like where everything happens. But yeah, and then the fact that like for her, she's focused on him being Arthur Hawking. You could be another mm-hmm. one. Like yeah. she just. Like you said, she's focused on the glory. She's focused on that aspect. And she said, how proud I'll be to stand beside him who holds the horn. You have no idea the height we will scale together, you and I. So she's already, like, implanted herself into his life. Like, if you get this horn, you know, you're going to take us to the top. So she's an old-school gold digger. (laughs) I ain't saying she's a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Any thoughts from you, Ian, before we move on? About uh, our lady uh, Celine? I'm not a fan of hers. <laughs> she's shady. Nope. No, no new thoughts. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, they see the fire. Rand immediately thinks Fang. Like, okay, that's Fane down there. And Rand says, well, let's just wait till morning and we'll follow them until Inktar shows, catches up. And Selene immediately cuts him off. He's like, you want Inktar to have the glory? You want Inktar to have the horn? No, you need to get the horn, like, right now. And Rand's like, I don't want the glory. Um, but Selene convinces Rand, like, well, let's just go make, at least go check it out and make sure it's actually Fane. Because, like, worst case scenario, what if it's someone else? And we end up following someone else tomorrow. And it's not Fane. And that's completely a waste of time. So, Rand agrees to go check it out, but he wants to go alone. But then Selene convinces him to take loyal, and he agrees because he just agrees with everything. Hmm. And that's that's. I, it. I got I got nervous right here, um, because she was insisting on splitting up the party. I was nervous that she was going to like kill Hearn or something like that. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Again, I tr- I trust nothing she does. Why insist loyal goes and and the whole he can see better thing just kind of seemed like BS. I mean, yes, he can, but it just seemed like an excuse to separate them. But she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so they uh, loyal and ran right off uh, towards the fire, and Rand starts to ask. Um, loyal about the whole Atlantan thing. Like, why do you keep, why does she keep calling you Atlantan versus Ogier? And loyal explains it's old Tom and it, it stands for basically tree brother. Um, so what are your thoughts about her being able to speak old tongue and, and preferring to use old tongue when no one uses old tongue? Anymore? What did you say, Ian? Maybe she was the, one of the Aes Sedai from way back when. Well, it, I mean, it could have been that, or maybe she actually came from one of these mirror worlds where it was slightly different, or maybe actually from a different time. Yeah, I mean, I can see with the time travel, but that would be a thing. But, like, we know that we know now that people get caught up in these worlds by themselves indefinitely. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's clearly more to it. To her. Yeah. All we get is question marks with her. I'm ready for some answers. Do you have any theories? I mean, I it's still possible that she's this really old hag witch <laughs> that is has some sort of spell that makes her seem very beautiful to them. Okay. That's still possible. Uh this could be now remember we had the prophecy from uh what was written on the walls mm-hmm. in the jail and they talk about uh that chick coming back the forsaken chick. Uh Lanfear. Yeah yeah. So is this some sort of Incarnations or reappearance, whatever we want to call it, of her? Hmm. Possibly. Sure. Hmm. And it's weird. So she seems to know Rand, but she also doesn't. She doesn't seem to know this version of Rand. Like, yes. Though he's so stubborn, but then she tries to motivate him with his glory and everything. And as I'm reading it, Rand's just as annoyed with it as I am as a reader. I'm like, that's not, you don't know Rand obviously, cause that's not going to motivate him. Like it's some of the more logical stuff about, well, how do you know it's really feign? You know, you don't want to waste a day tracking the wrong people sort of thing. Okay. Well that one makes sense to him, but go get the glory. So you get the glory. That's not, you don't have the right Rand here, but she also knows him at the same time. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It, it is strange. Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say to that. Um, so, um, as they're approaching, Rand seeks the void, uh, ignores, uh, but he ignores the power. So he's fighting off the power. He see it on the corner of the void as he's seeking it, but he wants to focus. So he's still doing the void and the flame thing, but he's avoiding drawing the power. Um, and they finally get to the place where... Uh, where the fire was and he sees mounds and recognizes them as men and sees bigger mounds and realizes Trollocs and bingo, this has to be Fane's camp. Um, and then a moonbeam 
comes and settles on the chest and brightens, and he sees the chest. So, so up up until this point, no giant surprises. Yeah, we kind of thought this was would happen. Um, you know, they they decided to sneak up and just get some intel. It it is what we thought it would be. Right. Next couple of paragraphs is where it takes a wild twist and turn. Yeah. Yeah. But well, so they're sitting there looking at the look at the chest, and a trollic is awake and it's kind of like walking around checking out the campsite. Actually comes pretty close to them. Um it starts sniffing the air. And at this point, I think they're they're busted. They're gonna get caught. But then, you know, here's a noise, looks over there, says, eh, and just goes to sleep. <laughs> So this, then they decide, all right, well, Rand's like, YOLO, let's just go get the chest. <laughs> well, um, it's funny because it didn't just happen. It said for an instant, the void wavered. So we have to understand, like, at this point, Rand is more and more enjoying the solace that he gets from being one with the void. And he's really enjoying the power that he's getting from connecting with uh, Sidon. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that one sentence is, is very important because it's almost like he willed the Dogir no longer. Excuse me. It's almost like he willed the Trolloc to not pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. So I have a comment that has nothing to do with the plot line, uh, but Loyal's character sometimes it's the little things that he does that really cracks me the fuck up. Like it says, Loyal put his mouth close to Rand's ear. It's asleep, he whispered incredulously. Do any of y'all either have a child or a niece or nephew that tries to whisper like in your ear? But when they lean in and put their hand up, they just fucking scream in your ear, and uh-huh. it's not a whisper at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's I, how I picture this, because I, I don't know how somebody as large, or a being as large as Loyal could be quiet. that spoken. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's going to be a loud whisper, I believe. But anyways, yeah. I started thinking about that, and I thought it was hilarious. I could just see Rand looking at him like, yeah, duh, shut up. You're making yeah. noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so at this point, Rand starts to crawl towards the chest, and Loyal's like, what are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. But, you know, like, Loyal does not want this to happen at all, and he just keeps going towards it. Um, and gets the, gets actually all the way to the chest, and Fane's sleeping next to it, sees that there's the dagger is right there sitting on top of the chest. Um, and he reaches out and touches the dagger accidentally. You know, that's how he realizes it's there, and quickly picks the dagger up and stuffs it in his belt because he doesn't want to touch it too long because he knows what it did to Matt. So, um, yeah, quickly stuffs in his belt and then he kind of gets loyal to come closer to lift the chest because there's no way he can lift it on his own. So, before... All of this, all of this seems very uncharacteristic of the Rand we know. So is this something Celine is somehow still driving him to do, even from this distance? I mean, physically they're separated. Is she still driving him? Or is there something about um, the one power, the 
him tapping into it that is now driving him. I don't know, but this just doesn't seem like a Rand decision. This is very, very wild. No, I completely agree with you. She has been pulling the strings from really, I, I don't even want to call it pulling the strings or anything. She's been leading him along towards these conclusions of, you know, we, we have to do this, we have to do that. And even with him being all the way that far away from from our new friend, she's still getting him to do things. I want to know what her power is, what her control is. She's like a, oh man, what is the, that banshee. Like a siren? Like a siren, yes, thank you. I just couldn't get the word out to save my life. But she's like a siren. And just kind of recapping or revisiting, like, he knew that the horn and the dagger were both there, and he realized that he was right there. His goal was complete. And he was still mm-hmm. thinking about her face. Yep. He's, like, oddly in love with this person. So, And then he even says to himself, this is madness. You are going mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Selene's face drifted with the chest. So I guess that that's more that that answers my question a little bit, but yeah. man, how is she? Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so at this point, Loyal does come up. He lifts the chest up, and they kind of start to leave. They they start well, not kind of. They start to leave, and Fane wakes up and immediately starts screaming because he realizes that the chest is gone and the dagger's gone. And the whole camp wakes up. And then Rand gets into a fight with Trollocs. Lots of them. And I love this scene because this is just an amazing... I, I love the way that... So we talked about the way that, that Robert Jordan writes action in Eye of the World. But that was before Rand had learnt, learnt sword forms. So now we start going through all these different sword forms that Lan had taught him. And... This is the way, like, so the way Robert Jordan writes sword forms is rather than he raises the blade and cuts at a 45 degree angle slash at the, he, he names them all. So they're, and that's just, you leave it to, to your imagination to try to figure out what, you know, hummingbird kisses the lily or something, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, it says that this is two Trollocs, wolf and ram, gleaming teeth and curly horns. Lizard in the thorn bush. He yeah. rose smoothly from one knee as the second toppled horns almost brushing his shoulder. The song of Sidon caressed him with seduction, pulled him with a thousand silken strings. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like it's just the imagery there. You can you can literally see these uh things rushing him. You can see him drop, you can see him raise, you can see or feel almost like being pulled by thousands of little strings. It's it's quite invigorating, to be honest with you. Yeah. When when you're reading this, Chris, did you think back to when we got a description of the relationship between an Aes Sedai and, and uh, her warder and and how their ability to fight, sword fight, whatever, it's it's enhanced because of that connection with them? I did, and like it's just knowing that he was already connected to the to the power. Like, 
all I could think was, what really cool things is he going to do next? And he really stuck to the basics. He right. didn't use really any, he used the power to enhance his own natural abilities, whether he realized he was doing it or not. Mm-hmm. So he was like his own warder. Or he, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the entire time, he, the, the, the power's trying to surge into him. Like, and he's fighting the power off while fighting the Trollocs. You know, he says that. Like, he's thinking. Well, I'm wondering if it's just like he was holding the power off or just inadvertently channeling the power through the sword. So, yeah, I mean, there's, these sword forms are really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have more thoughts about them. Well, I think the battle scene in general was pretty cool. It's like, for an instant, surprise slowed them. Then they came with glutular cries, gleefully bloodthirsty swords and axes raised. That says he danced amongst them to the song of Sidon. And then it gives you, it just lists the different forms, and they all are so interesting. I love to watch them happen. Hummingbird kisses the honey rose, and then cat on hot sand. So the sword seemed alive in his hands as it had never been before. And he fought as if a hand-marked blade was keeping him from being taken over, essentially. This is mm-hmm. the heron spreads its wings. Like, I'm wondering if this is like a male angriel. Hmm. Okay. Like, that's what came to my mind. It's like, maybe he's channeling through the weapon. Okay. I mean, it never said that they, they had to take any one particular type of form. No. Maybe with the males, maybe that was what was special about the heron marked blade in and of itself. Maybe it wasn't just the blade, but maybe the the blade masters were also like male Sedai. Possibly. So yeah. Um but yeah, so Rand kills a bunch of Trollocs, basically is what happens here. I think it's six in total that Rand kills. Diced um, them up easily. Di- yeah, easily diced up like a like and the this is the progress from Winter Night, Eye of the World, and <laughs> him killing Narg. Um, accidentally I, killing Narg. Yeah. To, to now dicing up six Trollocs with like, how do you break this sweat? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he's, he's come a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like I said, uh, finally they kill the Trollocs. They, yeah, they leave and Rand lets the Void go and they ride off. Um, it, I, it, I love that. I love that instead of thinking inside of his head, he finally says out loud where Loyal can hear him, I think I am going mad. And Loyal just just looks at him, sometimes I do not understand half of what you say, but if you must go mad, could it at least wait until we're back with the Lady Celine and Heron? (laughs) (laughs) Not sure what's going on here, but we need to move. Yeah. And, and, and I think it was pretty awesome too that Rand's like, "Well, uh, the chest—you can't ride with the chest." He's like, I, "I'll just run." And Rand was like, "I mean, I heard you can run as fast as a horse, but I never believed it." And Loyal just takes off without even breaking sweat, like slightly, slightly heavy breathing when they get back, but he just basically keeps up pace with the horse the entire time. Um, That's pretty so, cool. It's pretty cool. Um, but they get back. Celine's super excited they got the horn. I mean, she's super excited, and, and she just wants to touch it. Uh, she, um, she she looks at it. Uh, she says, "You know, I, I want to see the horn." And Rand's like, uh, "Well, I don't know. Open the box." So we're out of luck. And Celine's like, "Well, hold hold, hold your beer." 
click, click, click. I, I got this. And she opens the box. I mean, I know they're like enchanted somewhat by her, uh, but how do they not see it now? Like, even, even before um, that with the stones, it, like, Ren knew that she had to have known, or at least from his perspective, well, she, she had to have done it to get there in the first place. She has to know how to get out. And she denied it. But then she knew exactly what he needed to do to get out. And still, like, he just, the wolves pulled over his eyes. And at this point, they got to be looking at each other, scratching their heads, going, who is this lady? But they're not. Mm -hmm. They're just hoping she gets naked again. (laughs) Right. Thoughts, Chris? No, I'm right there with you. It's Ian. I think we're going to have to come up with a new shirt. (laughs) Oh, no. It's got to be PG. (laughs) PG-13. Thirteen. All right. Maybe a little TVMA. You know. Yeah. So yeah, Celine goes to take the horn out, and Rand just reaches over her and plucks the horn out from the top. I of her. thought that was that right there was probably my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> I have got to say, I was like, finally, you man up and you take control. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, oh yeah, great, you're you're finally doing it. It's like, dude, she's been manipulating this entire time and you have allowed yourself to be drawn into her beauty so much that you've allowed her to dictate everything to the point to where now it doesn't matter what you do and what you say, you got to do what she says anyway. But. And this is one of those moments where one sentence, one action could potentially change the entire outcome of this entire series. Um, yeah. We've yet we've yet to really figure out who Celine is, but I, I think we're in agreement. Uh, she's a shenaniganizer. And what could have happened had she got her hands on it first? Um, who knows? But that was a pretty slick move. And Rand's height finally comes into play. So if you guys remember going back to the cover art of the book i don't know if you guys remember that or not for this one for the great hunt so and and that cover art there's a picture of brand holding the horn standing over a woman and loyal oh so there we go this this is the scene of red so this is this is the cover art brand picking up the horn over swing so yeah um and then, and then Celine just reads the old song right off the, you know, not, not listening to beat. Um, no, no big deal. No big deal. Um, and she's like, all right, well, it's yours now. And Rand's like, well, no, we got to take it back to Shannar and give it back to our good friend, Lord Algorithm. And Celine's like, what? No, no, no. Why That's would madness. You? Yeah, it's madness. Why would you do that? Um, yeah. Uh, Celine protests and Rand, you know, says, "Well, this is the way." <laughs> um, Celine says, "You know, well, uh, you know, we can maybe just go to Kyrie and at least, you know, they agree to do that." Um, Celine says that you know you should probably go and kill all the Trollocs because we'll just keep hunting you. And Rand's like, "I don't, I can't do that. Like, I don't have the ability to kill all of those people." I think she knows more about his ability than he does. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then 
before we move to the next scene with the dagger, um, any final thoughts about this initial reaction with the whore and everything like that? What was her? What was Hearn's charge? Like as far as it, retrieve the horn and then do what? I guess it would be the same as Inktar's. Right. So what was the initial charge? I think it's to bring it back to Shannar. Right. So why isn't he more vocal now? I don't know. Good question. Because again, you would think the type of person he is and and that culture they come from, he would be like even respectfully. Well, I don't know. He's also trained to follow that chain of command. Uh-huh. So it's Rand's call, but you think he'd at least speak up about it and and also kind of agree with Rand, like, yeah, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing is taking it back. Yeah. And crickets from him. Yeah. So it's actually, I've, I've, I'm sorry, I said Rand says go to Kyron. It's actually Celine's idea to suggest going to Kyron instead of going oh, back yeah. to um, And she, she makes a pretty good logical argument saying, you know, go back that way, you have to go through them. But if you go to Kyrie, at least we're running still away from them. Yeah, and it's not yeah. like they're going to give up. They're now going to be chasing you because they yeah. want it back. Right. And it's at this point where Rand pulls up the dagger, and immediately Celine, you know, seems to know about the dagger because she's like, get rid of it. Just throw it away right now. Like, get, get rid of that. Well, remember that, that dagger and more death represent that chaotic evil that is just as bad for evil forces as it is for good because it doesn't discriminate. It just has bloodlust and mad for power. And <laughs> Yeah. That's absolutely true. And she wanted it gone. She said, throw it away, leave it, bury it if you wish, keep it from others' hands, but be rid of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but Matt, of course, Rand refuses because of Matt. Says, it, no, Matt will die without it. We need to keep the dagger. He puts the dagger in the chest, closes the chest, says, hopefully that will shield us. And that's the end of this uh, point of view before we switch over to Fane. So any final thoughts? Stubborn. A stubborn man is best. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. He didn't want to mention to her that he had direct contact with the Amaralyn seat. No. Which just show me that he's still kind of on his game, even though he's completely thrown off by her. Yeah. So that that made my heart just a little bit happy. I was like, all right, there is a little bit of hope for him. Just a little bit that's there. Yeah. Right. So then we switch to Fane, uh, and Fane's pissed. Um, he's ordering everyone around to gather everyone together because we need to pursue. Um, you know, tells the Trollocs that they need to get everybody together and don't end up what happened to the other Trolloc. The, the first one that came back and said he got away because uh, apparently he killed that Trolloc. Um, I don't like that answer. You're dead. Next. Yeah, next. Yeah. So, um, and then he feels Rand. Um, you know, it talks about how that's the gift the Dark One gave him. Um, he can feel Rand somewhere up in Kinslayer's dagger and ends the chapter with saying, you'll pay, the whole world will pay for what you've done, Rand. <laughs> and then we end the chapter. So I get this nice little, little fane note at the very end, and we end. So final thoughts about this whole chapter before we move on to wrapping it up. 
Uh, I had some notes in there about Fane being able to sense Rand. Uh, and we talked about this before, uh, when he wasn't able to sense him back at uh, Faldara. Mm-hmm. That, and and it was because he was channeling at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and here, he was avoiding or trying to avoid channeling, but still very much in the void. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because he was so focused and in the void, he was able to sneak up and take it without him even noticing. And uh, Jordan makes a point that I guess when they finally either get back to the horses or get back to Celine and them, mm-hmm. as he finally like I don't know the they relaxed and and left the void right yeah then we go back to this Fane point of view and this is kind of going on at the same time and then suddenly Fane was able to sense him again and track him right. So there's something to be said for Celine encouraging him to be one or in the oneness, like completely. Yeah. Hmm. So our buddy Fane won't be able to find him. Interesting. Chris, any final thoughts from you? I am waiting to see exactly where Fane is going to take this. I love this quote. I am a dog no longer, a dog no longer. Hmm. Like, <laughs> he was for such a long time held back, and now he is ready to go. So I'm excited to see what chaos he wreaks. Yeah. All right. So before we, I do my sign-off, as we do, as we started our new tradition, favorite character from these chapters? Hmm. Well, I guess you went first last time, Chris, so um, I seem to, I keep picking ones that no, nobody thinks I'm going to pick, and it's for oddball reasons. It's it's something, even for a moment, that just stands out to me, makes me laugh, or seems wildly important, or like last time, we just couldn't stop talking about Celine, so it had to be her. Uh, but Loyal actually cracked me up in this chapter in particular. His mm-hmm. whis- his whispering to Rand, which, as I imagined it, not so much the way Jordan wrote it, was probably a loud ass whisper. His his plucking up the chest, and <laughs> I see it just being gigantic to somebody like Rand, and then him just ever so easily just bink, I got it, and then running with the horse. I, I don't know. It, he he had me yeah. cracking up a little bit as I was reading it. So okay, I'll go with loyal. Okay. Chris? Um, as far as favorite characters go, they're all the same. <laughs> like, I, it's Nobody really stands out to me right now except for, like I said, Rand really made me happy that he finally like got his act right. together. So I'm going to go ahead and say Rand is probably my favorite just due to the simple okay. fact that I have faith. Okay. Surprising none of you guys said naive. Throwing Amber just the wall. <laughs> yeah, that was a strong contender. It was. Well, she went back to being a little childish to me. Yeah, true. Okay. Good yeah. point. She, Good she point. was hit or miss. When she reverted back, I was just like really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I like the well, strong I, I, woman I, who knows what I'm she accepted. 
Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next chapter titles, um, Sidene. That's the next chapter title. And then The Nine Rings and Watchers. We're doing three chapters next week. So it's Sidene, The Nine Rings, and Watchers. Three chapters. I thought there were, I thought there were seven rings. There, there was nine mm. rings. There was nine rings given to men. Oh, it was oh, nine yeah. rings? It was not, yeah, nine rings given to men. Hmm. Well, there's a nod. <laughs> it, yeah. A, it, it a subtle one. Very subtle. Yeah, very subtle. But yeah. the sidene is a very short chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're just gonna learn so much more about the power that that Rand has. Okay. And the influence of, uh, I guess, influences on that power because okay. I know that, uh, and I heard names Celine or whatever. Mm-hmm. She put an emphasis on getting rid of the dagger. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering whether or not there's going to be a play on the powers within Rand himself. Like maybe he slips up and holds the dagger just too long. And then the powers begin to collide. Assuming right. they're different. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, because Celine's still with him. And it's possible she's from another time, a mirror world or something. But she seems to have quite a bit of knowledge, speaking in the old tongue, all this jazz. Uh, maybe she offers him some wisdom on how he can learn to use his power. Hmm. Nope, that's going to be Tom's job. It's Tom's, Tom's job. Good. That's Tom's job, okay. Yeah. They have the nine rings and watchers. Anything about that? Complete I got nothing. Confusion. Confusion. Nothing. <laughs> confusion. Okay. Well, yeah, it's gonna be read fun. And, read and find out. Read and find out. Yeah, Rafa. All right. So, how you can find us? We get found at the Will Reads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those good places. The Will Reads at gmail.com is our email address. Go ahead and uh, email me if you want. I might answer. I usually do. I actually will answer emails. Um, and then. Um, uh, Discord. Yeah, come join our Discord. It's a lot of fun. It's growing all the time. We just added an amazing new bot. Thank you so much. I'm going to give a shout out actually to Vance. Um, he's actually a YouTuber um, with... Uh, it, it's he's, he's a new YouTuber um, uh, and this YouTube channel is called The Gleeman. Um, now, Chris and Ian, you can't go watch them, but they're of great. Um, yeah, of course not. There's spoiler, they're spoilers out. Um, but, um, he did a great job coming in, helping us uh, set up a bot for us in our discord server that helped with, uh, doing roles for first time readers, a bunch of stuff, just all the praise of the world to Vance, um, uh, from the Gleeman. Um, so if you haven't checked out his, uh, his YouTube channel, go ahead and Google our, our YouTube search for the Gleeman and check out some of his videos because he does a really good job there too. Um, maybe eventually we'll have him on as a guest post at some point, um, we can't have everyone when on. Tom comes back. Yeah, when Tom comes back, there you go. Um, but yeah, at some point, we, we we try to get every we're trying to get everyone that wants to at least be on uh, to be on at some point. So it's what just, day um, should we have him in again? Uh, well, I got the next few already lined up, um, but I know, so, the one that Tom comes back in. 
Yeah, okay. Um, but Tom doesn't come back, so <laughs> Tom's dead. <laughs> so, so, anyways, so moving on. Um, um, Patreon, um, as I talked about previously at the beginning of the episode, always it's the best way of supporting content creators. Any content creator will tell you that if you if you like the content you're hearing, if you want to support us more, um, listening is great. Keep listening. That's a great way of supporting us. It helps with the algorithms. It helps with uh, other people finding us, um, getting sponsored and getting ads and things like that. Um, that does help. But Patreon's a direct way of just uh, throwing a few few bones at us. Um, you get some cool perks with that. Like I said, the live recordings like we're doing tonight, um, uh, they, uh, that's one of the perks uh, for the lowest tier, a dollar. Uh, gets you that. Uh, but you get more and more as the higher tiers go on. So um, – uh, check it out, patreon.com slash the will reads um, is, is the website to see that. And then I, I would be amiss if I didn't mention that we have a merch site. That's new creations by Jen slash the will reads. Um, I want to work on actually maybe trying to create a website at this point. Um, that way I have a launch page for everything. I've been hesitant because I've been lazy about creating a website because I've done it in the past, but. At one point, I'll create a website and maybe I'll just link the merch there. But um, you can probably find that. You know, like, so you can find that, that link in the description below. Also, um, I'll be posting it on our Discord as well. So feel free to peruse our merchandise and see if uh, there's anything you want to buy. Uh, we have some cool items there. Um, but other uh, uh, than that, um, just like, review, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, tell everyone, come listen to us. We we enjoy everyone that 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 gives, takes time to actually listen to us ramble in, in <laughs> about real time. So that's all I have for tonight. Anything else for you guys? No, sir. Until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.